ButcherBox makes it easy and convenient to get the highest quality grass-fed, grass-finished beef, organic free-range chicken, heritage breed pork, and wild-caught seafood without any antibiotics or added hormones delivered straight to your door. For me, I love their ribeye steak with a smoke and reverse sear, their tender belly bacon, which is some of the best uncured bacon on planet Earth. ButcherBox partners with people, small farmers included, that treat their animals in the best possible way and never give any added antibiotics or hormones. When you join, you choose your box and delivery frequency. You can cancel at any time without any penalty, and ButcherBox delivers amazing and fresh meat right to your door in a 100% recyclable box. For a limited time only, get free chicken nuggets for a year and 10% off your first box when you sign up today and use the code WP. That's a 22-ounce bag of gluten-free organic chicken nuggets in every order for a year when you sign up at butcherbox.com forward slash WP and use the code WP. Western Contours Podcast, sharing experiences, providing insight, and looking for solutions to become better hunters. We talk gear, on and off season preparation, tips and tactics, conservation, and finding inspiration in the outdoors as sportsmen and women. Thank you for joining us as we share our love for all things Western hunting. About to share this episode thanks to these fine companies I depend on in the field. Game Changer Calls. The GC was designed with all hunting callers in mind. Though elk is the intended target, the unique size is a game-changing tool for turkey and coyote callers as well. It is not designed to replace your tube or open reads, but rather to complement the caller's repertoire in the field. Vortex Optics. Proudly made in the USA, Hoffman Boots. If you're heading to the backcountry and you need some meals that won't bog you down, check out SasquatchFuel.com. 100% compostable packaging was designed to combat litter in the backcountry. For more information on conservation in action, head over to SasquatchFuel.com. Titanium Archery Products. Dedicated archers deserve truly unique products that provide all the performance attributes that they demand, and that's exactly what TAP delivers. For more brands we run and trust, jump on westerncontours.com partners page. Look for the code Western Contours and save a few dollars off your order. Hey guys, we're on with Mr. Dennis Stokes. Dennis, thank you for taking the time and sitting down with me, man. Get into a little bit of uh, one of the men behind Initial Ascent. Welcome. Hey, Guy. Thanks so much for having me. Um, yeah, I've been looking forward to this. Um, you were in our, our booth doing the podcast thing uh, and really, really getting some good guests on during the Hunt Expo this last year. Uh, well, this year, I this guess. Year, yeah. And, uh, you know, it seems, <laughs> I say that, but it seems like that was about three years ago. Yeah. Doesn't with it? all that's been going on. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. I just, uh, it has, time has really, really slowed down for, for me and for, for our family. I don't know about yours, but oh, it's, man. it's been wild. 
it's uh yeah the days are definitely <laughs> the days are definitely on a different clock man it uh it's interesting at best <laughs> yeah that's right so since you brought it up um and i you know i said it to you guys you and joe at the expo but man that was uh i appreciate the heck out of that opportunity and that was kind of how i felt like it was my job to make sure i was getting quality um quality people and I, i'm not downing anybody that i didn't ask to be in there that had an opportunity um but it was important for me to carry a message right um through that podcasting session for three or four days or whatever it was and i and i'm not going to say i did it the guest did a flipping phenomenal job at driving home some of the values that we find in this hunting community of ours, man. Um, the Red Arafs, yeah. Brandon Waddell. I mean, it was just family, faith, community. Um, it was huge for me to sit down, especially when you're asking those folks to sign that that Mountain Dew table, man. So I can't say thank you to you guys enough for that opportunity. Um, it was phenomenal. I, I loved oh, yeah. every minute of it. You're welcome. And I'm still making my way through all those podcasts. Um, what just good information and the people that you had were just really amazing i i didn't know a lot of them um when when you first brought them in there but listening to the stories and and through those podcasts that's really been something and i just i appreciate the heck out of it man but you're right i mean what um what a community we get to play in i mean not only do we get to do what we love by being out in the woods and, and the mountains and, and chasing critters around, but man, just being in a community of people that love the same things, have common goals. We, every time you turn around, uh, people are trying to make each other better. And that's one of the things that I don't know. It was just, it was so welcoming. And, and I'm fairly new to this community as far as being a part of the community. I mean, obviously I've, I've been an outsider to the community for a long, long time, but we didn't really get to get into the community, you know, until just a few years back when we started the initial ascent, but the people that we've met within the community that just open their arms and want to help you. Um, Joe and I've been blown away by that. And I don't know of any other industry that could be quite like that. And I've, I've been in a lot of different industries um, and, and my partner has as well, but uh, golly, this is, we're very, very blessed to be able to be in uh, such a community as, as this. And I think it's that, I think we all know, right. We all know what it is to experience not just the outdoors, but that, that extra, when it comes to chasing wildlife, whatever, you know, whatever your pursuit is elk birds or elk or, you know, mule deer, whitetail pigs. Um, we know the level of effort and the level of passion that goes into it. And I can't help think that that is a major part of why everyone is so for the lack of a better word, man, loving to each and every individual person that they come across in, you know, in our demographic. Yeah. So, yeah. It, oh, uh, sorry. No, I was just going to say it's, it's just, it's really amazing. I'm just kind of blown away by it. Yeah. I can't get enough but of it, it. Even through this COVID-19 thing. I mean, the, the positivity 
has been overwhelming. If you could look on, on, let's just take Instagram for instance, um, day to day. I mean, you would hardly know anything else is going on in the world. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, that's been my observation. You know, you had a few days, uh, maybe a week or so, but, but people weren't dwelling on it. They were just being positive, um, really uplifting. Um, and so that's, that's just one of the things during times of crisis, you know, to have a community of people trying to lift each other up is so important. And, And there's just, a lot of good stuff going on there. Heck yeah. You, I don't know if you, I know I saw you guys jump on a night, but I've been doing, so I had the long range giveaway with, uh, with Ron white at DR long range concepts and a bunch of other partners. Mm-hmm. Right. And we started that journey. I don't know. seems like it's been two or three months now. And when this COVID thing hit, I felt I was very apprehensive about pushing a giveaway and, and things like that. And, kind of dawned on me that, Hey man, everybody needs to kind of, you know, get an escape from this. So we started doing this live giveaway thing. Um, the amount of companies, people, I mean, just jumping in to just, Hey, I have, you know, we have this, we want to donate this. This is awesome. Um, you know, we want to be a part of it has just, man, it, it is, it is, as much as an escape for me as everybody that's getting on there in the peanut gallery and laughing and winning stuff. Um, and then to see everyone gather around those companies in the support of them, just, you know, the same support that they showed, man, it just reemphasizes what we're talking about here has just been, yeah, it's been awesome dude for stickers, right? Everybody's happy for a decal. And it's just like, <laughs> that's amazing, man. Amazing. Right. Oh, I mean, that's been, that's been huge to help with, you know, getting through the evenings and, and here in California, there's, like I told you earlier, there's kind of no escaping the, the negative side of it. Unfortunately, if you turn on anything or, you know, you look at anything, it just all the the sky is falling, you know, every which way. Right. So we'll back up a little bit because we kind of tangent it. So give us some background, man. Give us uh, some some Dennis Stokes history and the outdoors and, and where that, that passion and that love started. Okay. Um, I grew up in uh, – so I was born in central Florida down in Lake Wales, Florida. And when I was five, my parents uh, moved up to the panhandle of Florida, so right up above uh, towns like Panama City, we were, we lived about 45 minutes from there and that's kind of where I grew up until, until I went to college. And so from down there, um, you know, I grew up hunting and fishing. Um, my dad, he, uh, he was always working, but, but he definitely liked to recreate. Um, I, I don't remember this cause I was, I was young, but, um, I, apparently my dad, uh, when I was, when I was real small, um, he, he had a bunch of hounds, a bunch of Walker hounds, and he would do, uh, the Fox trials down, down in Florida. And also he would, he'd always have, you know, a cur dog or two and he'd use those to work cows. He would, uh, he liked to hog hunt. So I, I remember growing up going on a lot of trips, you know, at night chasing hogs and, and everything. We, we did some deer hunting, but deer hunting was a little bit different down there. Um, my dad was very cold natured and he was not one that, uh, 
was going to sit up there and freeze his butt off the stand. <laughs> and, <laughs> and let me tell you that, you know, when, when it got 55 degrees, my dad, he was, he was looking for his, his long johns or as now we call it the base layers. <laughs> so, well, for Florida though, man, 55 in Florida, uh, it's a little, it's, it's a wet cold, right? Yeah. That's a little bit chilly, man. Yeah. And so he did not like the cold weather, didn't like sitting in stands. So from a young age, I had to either go with somebody or dad would actually take me to the stand. And a lot of times the stands were sitting on the edge of fields or something, you know, friends of his or, or some of our property. And he would take me to the stand. He would go get in his truck and drive off go somewhere and you know sit drink his coffee smoke a cigarette or whatever and then wait till dark and then he come get me um so and then when i got old enough to kind of do things on my own i was i was going i was taking my little four-wheeler we lived on a dirt road so i could travel all over the place um and we had some paper company land uh behind our place that that we could hunt and so i was setting stands you know, myself when I was eight, nine years old and hunting deer and, and doing all the stuff that a country boy, you know, likes to do. I was trapping, you know, one of my favorite books growing up, um, was where the red fern grows. So I had to have a couple of hounds, you know, and I had to coon hunt and do all that stuff. So I was, I was an outside kid, um, I was always, I was always doing stuff outside, whether it be working or, or, you know, hunting, fishing. So it was a, it was a pretty cool childhood for me. So, I mean, Florida, so when you think Florida, right. And, and for me, the first couple of things that come to my head, uh, snooks, red, now, uh, I believe Florida, you can hunt, well, they call them Osceola's down there, but oscillated turkeys too. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. And that was a little further south from where we were. Um, we had Easterns, uh, but, but you know what? We didn't have a whole lot there in, in my area. Cause believe it or not, I did not go Turkey hunting one time growing up, not one time. And to this day, I have not Turkey hunted one time in Florida. Yeah. My uncle, uh, my uncle lives there. He's, uh, well, they were in Brandon, Tampa, you know, Brandon, Tampa area. And then they, I forget where they moved. Ah, I can't remember, but they, you know, he's, he's huge in his Turkey down there. He loves it. And uh, I don't mind Turkey hunting. Um, I'm not a fan. I probably catch some, some mess about it, but I'm not a fan of the meat, man. I, I just, I don't know something about it. And I'm always conflicted about, I enjoy the heck out of hunting them. I'm a spot and stalk Turkey guy. I can't sit there and call and just wait for them to maybe show up. Um, gotcha. But I'm always conflicted about hunting something that I don't enjoy eating. Um, but man, he's like, oh, you come hunt, you come hunt these Osceolas, come hunt these Osceolas. And that's a beautiful, I will, the, the plumage is beautiful. That's the ugliest face on a bird I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> I know, man. It, yeah, uh, it's, it's hard to love that face, that's oof. for sure. But man, the plumage on those things is just, the colors are just amazing, man. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, uh, I love turkey hunting. I mean, I, I didn't get to do a whole lot of it at all until I really, until I came out West. Um, 
and kind of got introduced to it. And the first time I went turkey hunting, so the, the first time I harvested a bird, I, I can't remember exactly the year, but I was up hunting with a friend up in North Idaho and he, we had them hot, man. They were, they were coming in. He was calling for me and I'd never killed a turkey before. And we had these, these two Jakes come in and they were just trotting up a storm and I'm sitting there and they came up on, I had one working on my right side. So I was kind of pointed toward that way. And I, I shoot left-handed. Well, these Jakes, these two Jakes snuck up on us and came up on my left side <laughs> and gobbled like right there in my ear. <laughs> and so I'm, I've got my back to this stump and I'm, I, I just slowly turn my head, you know, cause I mean, they're right there within, you know, 10 yards or something, but I knew I was, I had my back to the stump. And so I, I slowly turn my head and, and there they are. I catch them out of the corner of my eye and they're just, they're still just strutting up storm. And I'm trying to figure out, all right, I can't move fast. I can't, I can't move because they're going to spot me and I'm going to blow the whole deal. And so slowly, but surely I, I worked my way around and it was, it was like, it took a year <laughs> and finally, finally they kind of worked their way around the stump and it's just still going off. And I finally get my gun up. I've, I've held the shotgun up for a year now. <laughs> so it's, it's been a while and I get one lined up with my shotgun and, and boom, and I go over there and there's two birds flopping. <laughs> <laughs> they, they lined up right at the, the same time. And I just didn't see the second one. But, uh, luckily I had, uh, I had a second tag. So I was, I was okay there, but yeah, two Jake's with one shot. That's not and a bad that news. was, that was my first Turkey, uh, hunt. So yeah. it, it was good. How many guys could say that, man? <laughs> I know. <laughs> but uh but yeah it's that's pretty fun you know and and now i just i run and gun turkey so yeah that's the best I'll, way i'll just yeah i'll just hit a ridge and and go you know or hit the edge of a field and go and just call mm -hmm. listen then i'll go a little bit further and go to the next draw or whatever call again listen and just wait till you get one to respond i you know i really <sighs> Well, I, I'm going to say I treat them. It, it's a mix between hunting elk and, and hunting deer. Um, and that's where I found most of my success is really going on spot and stalk with them things. Uh, yeah. Sitting there calling. I mean, it takes, you know, there's guys that will call, but it's just like hunting elk, right? If if that gobbler isn't, if he isn't hot or he's not in the right frame, um, he's not going to come in, man. I was talking to uh, Chip Hall. He was out on a turkey hunt. I think it was Saturday or Sunday, and he was saying that he's sitting there. He got to his spot. He's calling. He has a gobbler, and he's working the gobbler. And then about an hour and a half in, he hears a boom, and uh, no more sounds from that gobbler. And that's what I told him, man, hey, as soon as I hear him, man, it's spot and stalk time. We're, we're going to find where that bird is at and we're going to go get him because I've had yeah. enough blown, you know, or not. They, they'll just hold up on you. And you don't talk about some eyes, man. Woo. 
Yeah. Yeah, they they can definitely uh they can pick you out, that's for sure. So uh but. what what I'm gonna reel this in again because I'll tangent us, man. I'm sorry. So uh when when the westward movement and then what started that passion, you know, chasing this this western hunting addiction. So um what brought me out to so I'm I'm a dairy nutritionist by trade. So I I work with uh, with dairies here in the West and uh, basically tell them how to feed their cows. And so that brought me out to the West for the first time. I mean, I didn't I didn't even know I was just a little redneck from Florida. I didn't even know where Idaho was. So I uh, I got a job with a company out here and uh, then moved out here, and so then I started you know, hearing about elk hunting and, and all through basically all through college and through grad school. Um, I, I didn't hunt a whole lot. Um, I just, just didn't have time. And, uh, there when I was, so I was up in Alabama. Um, I didn't know a whole lot of people to get access to private land. There weren't, there wasn't a, a whole lot of public land there. So, um, so that brought me West and my first fall that I was out here, um, I had a group of guys that said, Hey, we're going to go elk hunting. Do you want to go with us? And I'm like, well, I have no clue what I'm doing, but, uh, sure. Um, yeah, I'll do it. So, uh, that kind of got me into elk hunting for, uh, for a couple of years at least. And I still, I mean, when I first came out here, I mean, you know, I, I didn't have any money at all. And, um, I didn't have a whole lot of hunting stuff that you could hunt out here, out, out West. So, um, it was starting from scratch for me, for sure. Not only the, the equipment, but especially the tactics and mm-hmm. I mean, how you, I was used to tree stands and, you know, and running dogs. Marsh, <laughs> so, marsh and uh, swamp bombs. <laughs> exactly. Completely, completely different. So, but I was into horses. And so I had a, I had a horse and, um, and that's how I got hooked up with these guys. They, uh, they were horse people too. And so we loaded up all our horses and, and went on an elk hunt and, and man, that first elk hunt, it was quite the experience. Cause I, I learned, I learned a ton, not about hunting elk, but how some people hunt elk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they, and, and the guy that, that was in charge of it, man, he had, he, so we had a wall tent to sleep in. We had a wall tent for a cook shack. And he did the whole menu. He was a big Dutch oven guy. And man, you talk about, I, I think I gained 10 pounds on that elk hunt. And, and I, I'm not ashamed to say, but I don't know if it was from all the food or from all the beer that those guys brought. <laughs> but uh, it seemed like that there was, uh, there was a lot more socializing and eating good food and drinking beer than there, than there was, uh, you know, elk hunting. But, uh, we, we got our, we got our hunting in, but, but, uh, it was definitely a, an overall experience, if you will. Yeah. That, uh, there's a lot of guys, man, that, that enjoy chasing elk, but, 
or hunting in general, but it's the camp experience that they anticipate that camaraderie and, you know, drinking yeah. 8,000 8, beers uh, over, <laughs> over four or five days. Um, and that's, you know, I got buddies that, that been hunting Colorado that have been on me, you know, for years to go. And, uh, that's what, you know, there's 10 of us and only three of us hunt. The rest of the guys are there to either get away from the wife or drink beer and whiskey all week. So it's, uh, yeah. there's guys that look forward to it, man. They don't buy, they don't even buy tags anymore. They just go out yeah. and, you know, hang out in camp. I, and you know what? And that's, that's awesome. You know, that's, yeah, is. that's what they look forward to. I mean, all summer long, they're looking forward to that one week mm-hmm. that they're going to take off and go on an elk hunt with their buddies and they're going to do it up and they're going to do it right. (laughs) And they don't care if, if an elk hits the ground or not. And, you know, and, and a lot of them do, don't get me wrong, but, uh, but man, I, I just, it was so different for me that part of me was like, man, is this what hunting's about out here? Because on one hand it was, this is really cool. I mean, I had never been on an experience like this and we were out of cell phone service, all this stuff, which I was definitely not, not used to being from the East. Um, but on the other hand, it was like, man, how how do they, how do they do it? You know, if let's say you don't have horses, how how do you do it? Drinking all that beer. (laughs) (laughs) You don't. (laughs) Only thing hitting the ground is a couple guys in the middle of the night at camp, man. Yeah, exactly. But, but man, what an experience. So let's get, uh, let's get some meat and potatoes going, man. So, you know, I know you through and from initial ascent and, and for the podcast, I do a level of trolling. Um, and, and like I said before, it, it's important for me to understand the person that I'm talking to, right? There's more to us than just being in the woods, um, and, and, you know, going and trolling, if you will. Um, there's a lot to Dennis Stokes, man. Uh, the musician, um, the man of faith, the father, the husband, uh, the son. Um, so I want to get into all that stuff, man, you know, as, as much as you're yeah. willing to give us, um, in that background, um, you know, your discretion, of course, um, man, I'm an open book. Yeah. But there's a lot of, there's a lot of positive when you, when you go through, you know, just your personal Instagram, um, there was a, a post you had on their preparation practice opportunity, um, was was a thing that stood out to me um and and the i sent you a bullet it's life's you know life's a gift every day and for whatever reason and i and i think part of it was being in the ia booth and setting up for a podcast and hearing your talk with the team and bowing heads in prayer and the things you said in leading that prayer um Man, it just it it spoke to me then so much so that I stopped. I stood up. I was standing behind you guys, but took part in that. Um, but I appreciated the words that were said. So I want you to just get into get into all of that, man. And I'm going to just jump in. This is your show at this point. And I'll just jump in where I need to. I think you know where I'm going. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, I appreciate that, man. And yeah, that, um, you know, both both my partner and I. Um, you know, we are men of faith and, you know, 
we, we wear our faith on our sleeves and, you know, and I believe, I believe that every man has to have a foundation and, you know, whether you, you talk about good morals or good habits or, or, or whatever, um, I, I believe that you have to have a good foundation. And, and I, you know, I know I've found that, um, in, in my faith and, you know, I wasn't always like that, man. I, I tell you what, I look back now, you know, to when I was, you know, in high school and, and especially college, um, man, I went through some rough, rough patches, even, even, you know, early on when I was, when I was here in Idaho and, um, I just, I was not a good person that I could, that I could look back and be proud of saying, you know, this guy, he's, he's, he's being, you know, he's being an example to others. Um, and you know, whether you want to or not, there's always somebody out there that's, that's going to look up to you or watch you to see how you're doing things or how you're living your life. There's always going to be somebody, I don't care who you are. And you know, that's, that's something that I learned from an early age, but didn't always practice, um, you know, trying to be that good role model or try, try to be that, that man of God that, um, you know, that, that I was, that I was meant to be. And, and I'll tell you right now, I mean, I'm, I'm not perfect by any stretch, but when I get up in the morning, I do my devotion and I, that's how my day starts before I get out of my bed. I read my devotion. I pray. And that's what gets my day started. And if I don't do that, how am I, how, how can I expect to get out there and do anything, you know, without starting that way? That's, that's what I believe. And, um, but that's my guy, man. That's, that's, that's what propels me. That's what gives me strength. Um, I've got, I've got a couple of tattoos on me that, um, that I had put on one, one is on my wrist. It's Joshua one nine. And it says, have I not commanded you fear not? Um, let's see, what is it? Uh, be strong and courageous for the Lord. Your God is with you always. And that came from a pastor, uh, of mine when I was going through a really rough time in my life. I was battling demons, um, just battling all the flesh type stuff out there. And what he, he gave us a sermon one time based around this, this uh, verse and gave us each one, this little rock that had Joshua one nine on it. And he said, you carry this. And when you start feeling, feeling bad or you start feeling, you know, pressure, guilt, or you start feeling attacked, you take that rock out and you look at it. Well, I kept that rock in my pocket for about two years. And it really was a reminder to me to be strong, be courageous, because God was with me. And I, I, I kind of wore out a pair of pants 
or two with that rock in my pocket. <laughs> so I, I decided, you know what? I've done this long enough with the rock, but I still need it or I still need what the message says. And so that's when I decided to get that on my wrist. The other one I got just recently, and a, a guy by the name of Travis Harper here in Meridian actually did it for me. And it's it's actually a picture of uh, the three crosses up on, on the hill, Calvary, and my hands, my actual hands uh, from a picture. He, he did it in such great detail, but giving it all up, you know, to, to God. And I, that's a constant reminder for me when I try to take there's so much of this stuff. It's just, I've always been. Sorry, man. That was when I try to take, other oh, that's all right. When I, when I try to take all this stuff on my shoulders and we do that, right? I mean, we do that as, as men, we feel like as leaders of our families, as leaders of our communities, that we that we have to do that. We mm-hmm. have to take all these burdens on ourselves. But I I feel like that my strength comes from him. And so I try to give all my stuff, you know, to him through prayer and, and through faith and everything. So that's and that's whatever whatever I'm doing, I I try to do that. So what you saw at, at Expo, I mean, that was a little glimpse of, of my life and, and how, how I do things. And the little story that I told our team there, and man, we had a great team assembled. <laughs> yeah, you uh, did. We, we've got a great team uh, with, with IA, but you know, we're, we're the little guy on the block right now. Not and so long, but I, well, I told those guys a story about David and Goliath and how that weekend we we were going to slay the giant. We were we were going to be that David and and I told him what it took for for him to stand up to that giant and it was because he had God with him. And that was that was a pretty I don't know. I, I got chills telling I'm, that story to those people. I was on my knees setting up and I'm listening. And I, uh, when you started, man, I'm telling you, I, I got, I don't know if you noticed that I got up, I turned around and I was standing there like, yeah, Dennis. <laughs> it was, I, I, I just, and I really appreciated the guys giving me a little bit of time. Cause you know, it's right, right before the busiest day that we were going to have there. And, uh, but but yeah that that's I, I i wanted them to know that you know hey we're not alone in this you know we're not alone in this battle and um you know and we're we're driven by a by a higher power that's what i believe and um and that's that's basically who i am and i want to be i strive to be better every day I, I strive to be a better man. I strive to be a better husband and a better father. And if I can accomplish that 50% of the time, doing good. <laughs> I, I think I'm doing okay. Heck yeah. but, you know, I, I, I take those, you know, two steps back every once in a while, just like everybody. Cause I'm human. But, uh, yeah, I, uh, 
I just, I get up every day trying to be better. Mm-hmm. So, and I don't, I don't know if you mind me talking about it. Um, so that you brought up the tattoos, right? And yeah, that, that tattoo is phenomenal, by the way. My wife, my wife was like, well, Dennis tattoo is, is uh, really nice. The shading on that. So I'm a tattoo freak. You know that. Um, yeah, but that tattoo is really nice. And then the meaning behind it. Um, but you took your mom, uh, your dad passed away. Um, you took your mom and she got her first tattoo, uh, which I thought was cool <laughs> as I was scrolling through there. And I'm like, what's going on here? And I looked and I was like, oh, shoot. Um, I thought yeah, that was man. pretty awesome, too, man. Oh, yeah. Hey, what a day that was. <laughs> um, she had told me about this idea that she wanted to she she wanted to go get her a tattoo. And I don't know if she. I don't know if she thought I'd, you know, be aggravated or <laughs> think bad of her or something like that. Because I mean, growing up, that that wasn't my oh, mom, man. you know. Um, but just to see her want to do something like that, and I just think it was really cool. And so we we went and found this place that could do it. It was a very very simple design. I think it was. Uh, faith hope and love is what the little symbol meant and uh yeah she she went she was a champ it took like 10 minutes or something (laughs) and uh i remember she uh the guy got got done you know and and kind of got her wiped off and everything and you know put kind of got it dressed up and she was like wait a minute that's That's it it. (laughs) and uh i was like yeah you're done you did great she was just so tickled. Did but, she get uh, it on the for, top of her wrist or on the bottom? Uh, it was on on the uh, let's see. It was on the bottom of her wrist, Ooh. I think. Yeah, those um, that, that kind of that's a little bit painful too, man. Those tendons there, they get you going pretty good. I I think I don't know. I I could be wrong on that. I don't know, man. I she was supposed to be out here um, actually this this month and. Uh, can't come now because the coronavirus yeah. but uh oh. yeah i haven't seen her in a little while so so did that and and again it's this is totally up to you to talk about or not and you know if you tell me to i won't it did now that that stem from your from your father's passing because i know that was important for you you did the uh you did the tower in vegas climb and and the deal with the copd um thing there was that part of that experience no, for that, her? Was that just, was that was actually separate. Um, and she actually got that. Um, gosh, I'm trying to think if she got that before or after. No, I think she might've got that. Yeah. Cause I think she came out a couple of weeks after my dad passed and she got that then. But I, yeah, I don't, I don't think that had anything to do with it. But, let me tell you something about my dad. Now he was old school and <laughs> That's what he, I was he came, I'm telling you, man, he, he came from a ranching background. He was uh, a livestock inspector for years for the state of Florida department of agriculture. And I'm telling you, he was old school. It was, Oh man, it, it was this guy. I'm telling you, he did everything the same way same time you know he was a he was a machine you know and he 
didn't think highly of people that <laughs> had <tattoos>. two things. <laughs> having tattoos was one of them. <laughs> and having an earring was another one. <laughs> now, I never went the earring route, but I got my first tattoo when I was freshman in college. I mean, I was off living on my own for the first time ever. And I was only about, I, was, we were, I, I went to college, it was about three and a half hours from where I grew up and, and my, my parents' house. And so uh, I was kind of on my own up there. And <laughs> I was playing football, and one of my buddies from high school, who also played ball with me there, he's, he said, hey, when we go home next weekend, we need to go get tattoos. <laughs> and so <laughs> I, I saved the $75 of my dad's money and me and Thumper went and, and got a couple tattoos. And so I, uh, now I'll tell you what this tattoo is, but (laughs) you're going to (laughs) laugh. But when, when I was in high school, I had this one guy, T on Knox that called me mighty Mike. (laughs) And, because I was so stinking small, but I was pretty strong and pretty fast. So, um, and he got that obviously from Mighty Mouse. So, um, I got Mighty Mouse put on my left shoulder. <laughs> and, and my dad never, ever found out. No way. I'm serious. I kept it from him all those years. And there was one time, though, that I slipped up and I took my shirt off in the living room and, and he was sitting there and I must've turned just right or something. And he caught a glimpse of it. And he said, turn around, son. <laughs> and about that time it hit me. I'm like, Oh, <laughs> so, but so I, I turned around the other way and he said, no, I want you to turn around the other way. What's that on your arm? Oh, dad, you know, it's one of them, them, paste on tattoos. <laughs> It'll come off in a few days. <laughs> and he never asked me another thing about it. But yeah. <laughs> That's funny. My, uh, I think I was 17. I was 17, man. I was going on 26 and, uh, and a buddy and I, we had uh, fake IDs to San Diego state university. We had bought them at, uh, bought them at like a little flea market deal and they uh <laughs> they had california ids driver's license and we go oh we you know we don't need these we need these right so we got yeah. those things and the first thing was go get a tattoo and uh was at home and my mom and i were in the kitchen and uh told her oh, i'm you know i'm leaving i'm leaving with eric um I'll be back. And she's, Oh, where are you going? And I, and I laughed, right. Oh, I'm going to get a tattoo. And then she just chuckled like, yeah, you know, like she didn't think nothing of it. And I came back, man. And, uh, lifted up my shirt. I got it on my right. Yeah. My right shoulder on the back. And, uh, I lifted up my shirt and I was like, look, and the flurry of fist, <laughs> that ra- I mean, fist, not open hand, the flurry of fist that ran down from that woman when she saw oh. that tattoo, man, it was, uh, it was quite the experience. It was pretty, I, I think I laughed about it then, but it's funnier to me now, especially cause you know, now she's just used to it. I'm, I'm pretty covered up, but yeah, right, right. Uh, it was funny, man. But yeah, what a, 
what a contrast, right? Into, you know, you talk about your dad being old school and uh, they're just not bred that way anymore, man. Um, my grandpa probably yeah. was the closest thing to that, that I, that I knew growing up, um, where it was just a regimen every single day up at yeah. three in the morning, you know? And I mean, right. it was just like clockwork. Like you could set your watch by the regimen that those men followed. Yep. That's you know, right. Something else. I, you know, and and honestly, I'm to a point, right? I'm a little bit envious of that type of discipline um, to be able to, like clockwork, every single day, go through that that same routine day in and day out. And they never blinked an eye at it. And now maybe we're spoiled. Um, we want our breaks, we want our naps or whatever it is, that distraction. Those guys didn't know any, anything, but you know, from this time to this time, this is the routine every single yeah. day. I think the only yeah. time I saw my grandpa break from that, he was a huge fisherman was when we go out on the lake and go fishing. Mm. Man, that's good times, man. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, oh, we, I, that's what I wanted to talk about too. And I know that it's a, a, important to you and is the reason I don't want to talk about it was the COPD uh, climb that you did. Um, yeah. So my, my buddy, Dave uh, Baronio, he, uh, he called me up one day and he was, uh, he was telling me about this and this, this was something that I guess it, it goes on every year down there. And, uh, American lung association has this, um, scale to strat, um, thing. And it, it was just really cool. And, and so his sister and brother-in-law lived down there and she is a, um, a CrossFit trainer. And so she was getting a team together of some of her CrossFit folks. And, uh, and then she invited Dave to take part of it or to take part in it. And Dave sent me the stuff on it. And I called him up and said, man, what, what is this? And he was telling me about it and everything. I said, man, I said, I, I don't want to be one to invite myself, but I said, you know, my dad, recently died from complications with COPD, I would love to go and be a part of that and, and help raise some money. And he was like, absolutely brother. And, uh, so I got signed up and started raising money and it was just, it was an amazing experience. Not only did I have to bust my butt and, and just train and train and train. I've never climbed so many stairs in my life. <laughs> um, but knowing that was coming up, knowing it was like 1450 steps or whatever. Um, and that it was going to be hard, but I had a big reason behind it, mm -hmm. man. I, I could think about my dad the whole way because I'll tell you a, a brief little story when I first found out my dad had COPD and when I told you my dad was old school, he's one of them old school dudes that he didn't, he didn't wear his emotions on his sleeve. He kept everything in. If, if he, um, if he didn't, um, want, if something was bothering him, nobody'd know. He kept all that stuff in. So, 
I invited him out here to go mule deer hunting for the first time um, back probably, gosh, eight or nine years ago, I guess it was. And uh, I told him, I, and I, I told him, I said, okay, you got you to get your rifle. Um, you got to you get your boots. You got to have all this, this stuff ready. I said, but the biggest thing you got to do is get in shape. You know, you, you got to start going and, you know, walking, doing, doing whatever you can to get in shape because it's going to be different when you're hitting them hills. So he came out, you know, and we got there that, that morning and we're climbing up that first hill and dad makes it about 20 yards and he's got to stop and he can't hardly catch his breath. And I'm like, at first I was like, man, I told you, you needed to be working out. You needed to be getting in shape. And here you are, you walk 20 steps and you can't breathe. You know, I was kind of giving him a little bit of a hard time. And he's like, Oh, I'll be all right. It was, that's all I heard. I'll be all right. You know? And so he'd walk a few more steps and he'd have to take his, his his breaths, you know, and everything. And well, finally, I realized he wasn't going to make it up that hill we were going up. I said, "Well, let's, why don't you just stay here, and we'll we'll go up. You watch for any deer that come out of this draw when we come, go up and around." And uh, so later on that day, I said, "Dad, man, what's what's going on? You, it's something's something's going on." And he said, "Ah, I got this." thing they call copd and he said i just can't breathe as well as i used to could and uh he said all them years of smoking you know finally caught up with me but i'm gonna be all right that's what he said and he said just like that i'm gonna be all right and man every year it just got worse and worse and worse and he didn't get his mule deer that year but uh I, I learned, I learned a lot from, from that visit. And I finally came to realize how serious that stuff was. And so anyway, so that scale, the strat thing, um, our team actually raised the most amount of money out of any team that participated. There were over a thousand people that participated and Dave and myself um, raised, we were in the top 10 of fundraisers out of over a thousand people. So, uh, yeah, man. And, and it wasn't anything we did. It was all the generous people, you know, that we told the story to just felt the goodness in their heart and just blessed, um, the American lung association with, uh, you know, with, with their, their funds, to be able to help a good cause. So it, it was just an amazing experience. Um, there were, there were people there, um, that you would look at and you'd say, there ain't no way you're going to make it up 10 floors. And you, and you know what? Every single person made it. There was a guy there from, um, he was a, he was a veteran and he had no legs and he went up that entire, thing on his hands and i'm telling you man all 1455 steps or whatever it was but what an experience and before i left i signed up for next year 
And that's always nice, right? Is, is especially when something means that much to you, um, you know, be, you know, and, and I'm making assumptions. So tell me to shut up if I need to, but because, yeah. you know, because dad went through that, right. That, that brought it kind of full circle. So to be able to, you know, just even have the gumption to say, you know what, I'm taking part of this man is, uh, is huge. And then people stepping up is always a big thing, man. But that goes back to one of our earlier discussions here with, uh, with community, man. Um, it's a big deal. It is a big, big deal. I love it. Yeah. I love to see it. Um, so let's, uh, talk a little bit of pack, man. Um, a little bit of IA I've been, uh, I've been hot with <laughs> with my uh, my new IA2K man since I got it. That thing is flipping phenomenal. Um, and one of the things that that stands out to me is the name of the frame, right? Um, so I'm gonna just say with integrity, and then Dennis Stokes take it over. Yeah, it's called the Integris frame. Yes, sir. And uh, yeah, and Integris is it is a word. But it's not a word that's that's used anymore, really. It's not uh, a word that uh, is commonly used in the English language. Um, but, yeah, it, that kind of goes back to that foundation, right? Um, you know, we, we have our foundations uh, in our lives. Um, we have a foundation in our business. And we have a foundation for our, our backpacks. So, uh, we felt like um, everything that we do needs to be with integrity. And so that's where that name came for that frame. And, and man, is it, is it something else? I mean, we've gone through 15, 16 different iterations, small, small iterations uh, mostly, but um, yeah, just, just always trying to make that thing better uh, through testing and trial. And, and, and we have, you know, especially early on, um, you know, we, we would have that, that thing fail, you know, on an a athlete or something that was, that was out there testing it out or something. And he'd have that sucker, you know, fail on him. And so then we, we, after we got done freaking out, we, we would, uh, you know, find out all the details and then we would get with our engineer, uh, who we still work with today. And, uh, he would, he would help us come up with a solution and, and man, it just, it just keeps getting better. So, uh, I mean, when you can haul out as much as say a, a Dave Baronio or a Brian Evenson, um, every single year, I think Dave told me that he had hauled out and he's a guide, so you can understand, but since he had had his frame, he had hauled out like 76 animals. I mean, that is a lot of pounds, Heck man. Yeah. Um, and the way he, he's able to do it, you know, with those upper, those upper wings and hanging those rear quarters on those upper wings and the way that that allows that quarter to be right there at your, your center mass or, or your center of gravity and man, a, a guy that doesn't think he can carry that much weight because of the, the physics of it, mm -hmm. he, he can do that. And so it's just, that was really an amazing discovery. Um, 
you know, and I'm going to, I got to credit Hollywood Dave with that. He, uh, he kind of came up with that method of hauling animals out, but there's no other pack on the market right now that can do that. No. Um, so we're extremely proud of that. And, and I think as, as we go along and people catch on to that way of packing animals out, I mean, you want to make as few a trips as you can, you know, without obviously without hurting yourself. Um, and, and that's definitely a, that's the best way I've found to do it. You know, what's funny about that, about that frame is, and that's one of the things that impressed the heck out of me when I initially tried it on. Um, and I was, and I'm going to be transparent. I was worried about the rigidity in it when I first saw it. And I was mm-hmm. like, man, that just looks a little bit, you know, a little bit stiff. Like it's not going to have any type of give to it. So I was a little bit concerned, but once you put it on, and it was one of the things that I did with, you know, some of the buddies that that uh, I met up with in Utah and we'd be talking about the pack and and I would tell them just, you know, they have weighted packs back there. Go put it on. And you, they put that pack on and they're like, you know, they hit the weight a little bit. Oh, what is this? You know, 15. And I think I'm going to say and I could be wrong, but I'm going to say 80 percent of the people that I heard try and state the weight thought it was in the 20 to 25 pound range. Um, yeah. When they realized how much weight was in that pack, it was the same reaction that I had when I put it on with 50 pounds in it. And I was just like, I was floored by how that thing carries a load. It's just unbelievable, man. Um, yeah. That rigidity in that frame. And then like you're talking about the tabs on top. When I saw, I don't know if it was a photo or video I saw of uh, of Dave carrying that out. And I was like, holy mess. It, but you realize it once the pack is on you, why it's possible. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and you know, it, it didn't just happen that way. I mean, we had, we changed the shape. Uh, this was early on, you know, we, we changed the shape. We changed the, you know, the, the hip pads, we changed the angle at which um, it goes into the hip pad. It, there was a lot of, just a lot of research along with development, along with just hours and hours and hours of testing. Um, and lots of people involved. Um, so, and like I say, our, our engineer, we, we worked in, ended up working with three engineers on this, on this project. And it took us about three and a half years to, um, to come out with the frame, well, to come out with the pack. So, uh, we, we worked on that frame for, for at least two and a half, almost three years just by itself. Um, and then that last year we worked on getting that bag and everything, uh, designed and tested and, and going. So, uh, yeah, it was quite a bit of time before we could even, you know, release it. So we just, we felt it was important to make sure that it was right before we stepped into this space, because let's be honest, I mean, this, this space is really crowded with a lot of good pack companies and, um, you know, and, you know, and that's another thing I got to say real quick, you know, we talk about our community and everything. Um, the other pack companies that we're competing against, um, man, they've, they've just, they've, they've been, you know, really good. They've been good competitors. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody's been, nobody's been dirty. I mean, I, I don't, I don't hear 
bad things about us, you know, coming from the other pack manufacturers. So I got to take my hat off to those guys. And like I say, there's, there's a lot of really good ones out there that I've got a great deal of respect for. So, uh, it's just, uh, it's, it's pretty cool to be mentioned in the same breath, the same, you know, breath as, mm-hmm. as some of those guys that have been around for, you know, 15 to 30 years or whatever. And so that has to be a nice part too, right? I mean, as you know, as a, I hate to say up and comer, I, I, in my eyes, you guys aren't, um, but I think everyone that produces or runs quality gear appreciates, and this probably lends itself to what you're talking about, appreciates quality gear. Um, and that's probably where it comes from. You know, those guys will, as much as they can't stamp it, they'll stamp it. Um, yeah. It, I mean, it's just, yeah, it's a solid pack. And the one thing I'm curious is why packs? What made you, what made you and Joe, how did that come about? Why did you get into packs of all things? I can tell you right now, I'm I'm a gearhead, man. I <laughs> I just love gear, and I saw the backpack as the main vehicle of all my gear. And so, you know, I I love from from a very early age. I was always just really intrigued by kits. Anything that said kit, first aid kit, <laughs> you know kill kit or harvest kit i was just into the kits because the kits required you to get things to go in that kit to get a job done now whether or not i ever needed anything in that kit there's the problem at least at least i had it right right so that's what i mean that that was in that was just an exciting thing from an early age and so backpacks i've owned them all man um so i've gotten i've gotten a lot of experience with uh with all of them out there really and you know there's just a lot of great things that i like about a lot of them and there was just a lot of things that i didn't like and i just joe and i had talked a lot about it and we just finally got tired of complaining and um you know, and, and just, it it was more to fit ourselves, you know, to, to fit our needs. Mm -hmm. And, and we had a lot of this, a lot of similar needs. We did a lot, we've hunted together quite a bit. And so, you know, we had a lot of similar needs, like to do things, uh, similar ways. And so, um, that just seemed pretty fitting and, and, we came back from the hunt expo one year and just said, you know what, we, we can do this. We, we could jump off into this space and let's, let's start it with the, with the frame. Let's figure out, you know, what that foundation is going to be and let's make it, you know, let's try to make it better than anything that's out there. And, um, so that's kind of how it started. And we, we jumped in with both feet and here we are yeah that's uh soaking wet too i yeah again man i'm not you know i'm not trying to sales pitch it or or blow smoke up your your rear there but man it's uh i and i'm a gearhead too and i've run a lot of packs and there's some that i would never even i don't even like to see the name of them (laughs) and then there's some that i find you know were great And, and one of the things with with ia that stood out to me um 
was the, and this is one of my complaints with the other company that I was running, is in order for me to go up or down in size, well, I shouldn't say down, I could have went down, but to go up in size, I had to purchase an entire new pack system, frame, suspension, the whole nine, and I couldn't just get the upgrade on the bag. If I want to go from the four to a six or plus, it's a whole new system. Mm-hmm. That is, yeah. depending on what pack you're looking at, you know, six, seven, a thousand dollars with, yeah. and when you guys, so you guys started with the 4k and then this year you guys right. came back and you had the 2k, the 4k, the six plus the day system, which I want to say is about 1800, one frame, one suspension. And all I got to do is grab a new bag, whether it's the 2k, the 4k, the six or that day configuration. And yep. I, and Roger, backcountry Baba Yaga, sent me some pictures, and that genius took a lid, put it on his 2K, <laughs> and blew my mind. I was like, dude, this I was I was so trying to figure out how to get that lid onto my two, just and it wasn't so much for capacity as it was for access to just those quick grab things. And yeah, when I saw that, handy. I was like, Yeah, I was like, you genius, man. <laughs> I'm he, telling you, man, that guy, it. that guy, he amazes me because, you know, some of the stuff that he comes up with is, it's just really cool. And I'm like, man, why, why didn't I think of that? So he and I, we've had some really good uh, conversations, you know, about gear and about how, how to do things. And, uh, you know, it's just, uh, he and I have talked for quite some time now about, about the 2k lid straps. And, um, he, he just, I showed up one day and he just had it done. Mm -hmm. I kind of told him what we were, what we were thinking. And he was kind of telling me what he was thinking. And, uh, yeah, man, he's, he's got a really cool system. And the thing is, is when you put that lid on to the 2k, it's like it was made to go there. And when I, when I designed the 2K, it, it wasn't meant to go with the lid. But um, it might have been it might have been Batiste asked me if, you know, can you run that lid with the 2K? And I'm like, well, yeah, we can. You could probably do that. But for now, it's just going to hang, kind of hang over the top of it. And you could just use it for some extra storage, like you were saying, mm-hmm. you know, for that grab, you know, for quick grab type stuff. And, uh, and then I'm like, well, we, we, we need to come up with just some quick straps that we could just attach to the 2k and, and go up to that lid. And, uh, now we've got those in stock. Um, I, I'm, I'm trying to be an advertiser now, but <laughs> we, we've, we've got those in stock. So yeah, it's, it's ready to go for anybody that's got a 2k, they can grab a a lid on the website and, and then grab uh, a set of those straps. And I think those straps are like 1295 or something. They're cheap. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so yeah, and you can, and all of a sudden it turns into, uh, instead of a 2k cause I, our 2k is about, it's about 2300 cubic inches. And then, by the time you add the lid, you know, and, it, and it's at about 600, um, man, you're right there bumping up against 3000 Three, yeah. and it's, yeah. And it's really sleek looking too. So I'll, I'll be posting some pictures 
of uh, my 2K with with my lid and everything. Yeah, so it's 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 pretty it's a pretty cool system. Heck yeah, man! I uh, I'm telling you, when Roger sent that to me, I was like, dude, you're a genius. That's that was awesome. uh, All the modifications that guy has on his. (laughs) I mean, I don't know if you saw it, but I mean, he had stuff put on there, and I was like, wait, what? what is that? (laughs) Oh yeah. That's just this little plastic piece that, you know, it fits on there. You don't even have to sew it on. And I'm thinking, God, please. Mm -hmm. Yeah. uh, Come on board. Yeah. He did. He did some real good with that. That's his second calling as an engineer. I'm telling you. Yeah. I'm thinking he's, he's going to be a a big help to us as one of our athletes. Yeah, man. Um, so so while we're talking about IA and I didn't want to, you know, like I said, I I know I wasn't trying to sales pitch it. Um, but I, I been running it limited, um, for, you know, some months now and I believe the heck out of it. And then, you know, the experience with the team there in Utah, Andrew, Roger, uh, I can't say enough about Chris Young. Um, yep. I mean, just a solid you and Joe, just a solid team. Um, Michael Batiste, you know, it's just the the people that are involved. Brandon Waddell. Um, yeah, TJ. It's just, yeah, it's just been, uh, it was a great experience, man. You guys got, uh, you got a solid thing going there with IA, man. Oh, yeah. And don't forget Chris's <laughs> wife, Kaziah, man. She's, yeah. she's gold. Yes, she is. Um, I loved her at the expo. She was awesome. It was funny because I've been, I told Chris this and I've been following Chris for a long time. I just appreciate his, his experience through social media um, and taking part in that. And when I saw his wife and we were talking and it, it clicked and I'm like, Oh my God. You know, I felt like, uh, I felt like I was a little, you know, giddy and I'm like, you're, you're Chris's, uh, Chris Young's wife. <laughs> She's looking at me. <laughs> but yeah, they're, oh, they're awesome. solid. They are absolutely solid, man. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's great, man. So we were talking about it a little bit earlier and I want to get onto it on here, but you're kind of a man of uh, a few hats. And the one thing, you know, and going through and learning a little bit more about Dennis Stokes uh, was the musician. So we started having this conversation prior to hitting record, but I really... I, I love music, man, and I'm the same way. And you were saying how, you know, you can listen to certain music and it'll take you to phases in your life. And um, mm-hmm. I'm the same way. Like, my music taste is is pretty eclectic. Um, so give us a little bit about that, man, because you have uh, your band, uh, Country Dinner Road, or Chicken Dinner Road, Chicken. excuse me. And uh, <laughs> yeah. my mind was blown. And and I'm not saying you're reserved, but you're pretty reserved, you know, mellow guy. And I'm watching you and I used to play guitar in a band and I'm watching you on the stage when you guys had your little uh, reunion and your hoods on. And I mean, you're just killing it. And you start jumping up and down. I'm like, oh, Dennis is vibing. <laughs> He's yeah. feeling it. And that told me right there that that's a big part. You know, that music was a big part to you. Um, so give us a yeah. little bit of that, too, man. That uh, I was digging it. Yeah, man, that's that is a big part of my life, and and that was that was one of the things that when initial scent started, that you know how you know how it is. You got to keep your priorities in line, mm-hmm. and you know you can only do so much extracurricular. But I learned again. <laughs> I've learned this lesson before, but music is just a part of my life. I mean, from as far back as I can remember, I was. I mean, I picked up my first guitar when I was five. 
and I played, I, I learned how to play guitar ages five and six. Um, and as a, as a six year old, you know how life gets, life gets busy for a six year old mm -hmm. and there's not a lot of focus sometimes. And so, uh, although my folks were wanting me to focus, um, I mean, I was already playing, you know, up on stage with uh, my instructor's band, you know, sitting in with them a little bit at the age of six and, you know, just playing a, a tune here and there. But I always loved to sing. I was always, you know, in the, the church choir and whatnot. Um, and but I was a big fan of of country music. That was that was my that, those were kind of my roots. Uh, my family was into it country gospel um i do remember back there was there was some bluegrass i remember going to bluegrass festivals and um so yeah it was um it was it was a lot of fun but i quit as a six-year-old and i didn't pick it up until um until i was a freshman in college again so i went all that time in high school um not playing the guitar I did sing a little bit and I was always singing with my radio. I mean, I went through stages in high school where I was listening to old country. I was listening to, of course, eighties country. Cause I was kind of grew up in the eighties. Um, I was listening to hip hop. I was listening to eighties hairband music. So I was listening to rock and roll. Um, although, you know, my folks told me that was a devil. I was about to um, say, what did Pop say about that being old school? Especially the hip-hop, right. man. Oh, oh, man. Yeah, see, I kept the hip-hop away from him. Um, he, he didn't he didn't like to hear any of that mess, is what he called it. Um, so, uh, anyway, so, yeah, I could – but every stage I went through in my life like that, you know, I can now go back and, and listen to freely. And I, I do have an eclectic – uh, you know, taste in music. But uh, now that I'm, you know, out here, I'm, I'm, I'm grown and, and all that. I, I, I ran into a guy that uh, loved old country music too. And I hadn't played my guitar a whole lot. Um, when I was coming through college, I did some playing then, you know, that was, that was a good way to impress the girls and, you know, <laughs> all that. Um, so I did some of that. I did a little bit of writing in college, but not a whole lot. But then I met a guy here that liked old country. So we just started getting together. And uh, one day we looked at each other and said, you know what? I kind of like this Ricky Skaggs and and what he's doing with this bluegrass band. And I was like, oh, yeah, I like that too. And, um, so we looked at each other and was like, well, he said, I'm going to play the banjo. I'm going to, I'm going to buy a banjo. And I'm like, well, I'm, and we were both guitar players. And I said, well, I'll get me a mandolin if you're going to get a banjo. And so I started playing the mandolin and it wasn't a year from that point that, uh, we decided we would, cause he was taking banjo lessons from a guy and I guess they got talking and we decided we'd put together a little band and start going to open mics. And so we started, it first started with he and I, we'd go to this bluegrass show that they'd have once a month and we would play a three song open mic. And every month for about five months, we played 
a new another three songs and then we got together with with these couple other guys and started chicken dinner road that was back in 2005 and we were mostly steeped in um traditional bluegrass music Mm -hmm. and then um i started writing again and then it just morphed over the years um we we covered uh, Steve Earle's Copperhead Road, and that started our progressive movement within the band. And now the band sounds not a whole lot like what it did way back in 2005. But uh, we write a lot of our own music, and uh, it's just a really good release for me. I mean, it, it allows me... I become a different person oh, yeah. when I hit the stage. <laughs> I do, man. I mean, we've, we've opened several shows, uh, for, uh, for touring artists that, that have come through, um, at the knitting factory, downtown Boise. And man, it's a, it's a really young crowd and everything. And, um, and it's a big stage. They do sound right. I mean, it holds probably a couple, a couple thousand people, I would say. And so that thing's packed when, when we get up on stage and, and I come out there and I just become a completely different person for however long that set lasts. Mm-hmm. And then I have to go back in my hole after it's over. <laughs> 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 but, uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. And, uh, I, I get to write music and that's, that's how I, I, I witness to people like that but I also talk about life experiences too. And so, uh, yeah, we've got, I don't know, five, six different, um, different CDs out. We're on iTunes, Spotify, uh, Amazon music, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's fun. We, we did take a little hiatus here, um, last couple of years because initial scent got busy and, um, but we did this last August, we had that reunion like you were you you saw on i think it might have been youtube that you saw that on or something um or maybe social media or something Mm -hmm. i don't post a whole lot of what what we do um we're going to be playing more because we've we've started making some new music and and whatnot so uh uh, now that i'm better at social media and i'm better at youtube um, with initial sin, I'll probably start posting a little bit more of what Chicken Dinner Road does. So uh, there's a little bit out there, but it's, uh, I don't know, a lot of it's really old. So uh, Yeah, that, that cover that you guys did, um, I really enjoyed it. And, and dude, you're a mandolin killer. Um, and I was actually, you, you posted on your social... It wasn't that long ago with that uh, with that song. Um, I you wrote it some time ago, uh, but you just oh. posted, dude. You yeah, have yeah. you have a heck of a voice too. I was like, damn, <laughs> that was the only that was the first reaction. I was like, look at Dennis, I appreciate man. Appreciate that. Yeah, that was that was actually so. Our Bluegrass Music Association here in Idaho, um, they see we were supposed to play at their monthly their monthly concert that they put on, uh, here locally. And, uh, the, the COVID-19 stay at home order, you know, came about and, and so they, they canceled that. And so they said, you know, we're going to have a, a virtual 
basically it's a virtual concert. And what mm-hmm. they did is they invited artists. Um, now they didn't invite bands cause the bands can't get together legally, uh, because of the stay at home order, but, uh, they invited artists individually to, uh, you know, record a song and then post it on, on their YouTube. And so that I, I thought that song was kind of fitting and, uh, I actually rewrote that third verse for the situation that we're in mm-hmm. right now. Um, but yeah, I, I, I presented that song to the, uh, to the virtual concert that they had going on. So that was a, that was a cool thing to, to get to do. Yeah, that was, uh, it's for me, right. And doing this, it's always nice. You know, we follow each other on social and, you know, you, you only know so much and then you really start looking and you know, oh, what's chicken dinner road. And then you type in chicken dinner <laughs> road and you start looking all over the place, man. It's funny. Uh, it's funny what trolling will bring up. <laughs> I know, man. You it's stalker. Cool. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of necessity, <laughs> right. But it's pretty cool to see yeah. that. Right. I mean, you get to see, you know, we're all hunters, uh, but it's cool to see the other parts of people's lives to me. Um, and I don't, and, and folks, I don't do it unless you're going to be on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's just phenomenal, man, to see that. And, and, you know, and, and you, I think you just get to know people a little bit better. And then you, it all in my head, everything ties to hunting in my head, but it all comes full circle, you know, listening to the music and then listening to you talk about your faith and listening to you talk about IA and getting the team pumped up with a David and Goliath and, and every bit of that stuff to me comes full circle um, when I do that. And that's the reason I do it. it it's so all of it's just so relatable to all of us, man. Um, you know, bits and pieces here and there, some more than others. But, yeah, I was digging it. So I'm a I'm a, a chicken dinner road fan, man. I'm going to I didn't realize it was on iTunes. I didn't go that far. So I'm going to check it out a little bit more. I thought yeah, it was cool. Yeah, we've, we don't have any. Uh, so we haven't done a studio recording for. Oh, a few years now, maybe three years or something like that. But yeah, um, there's, there's some good stuff on there. And, um, and of course, if you, if you want all the skinny, just contact me and I'll send you whatever you want. Heck yeah. <laughs> Heck yeah. So, um, we got a little, a few bullets left here. Um, but let's tie them together. So I always, I'm a big guy and you are too about focusing on that improvement. Uh, and again, I tie everything into hunting. Um, that brings everything full circle to me. Um, what are you, what in your pursuit are you focusing on improving, whether it's hunting or in life, you know, in this upcoming season, this, you know, this year, as we go into it and, and pray to God that we have a real hunting season with all that's going on. Yeah. Well, I, I tell you what, I, I, as I'm getting older, I mean, I'm, I'm going to turn 45 here, um, in May. And as I'm getting older, I am really focusing on my fitness, um, and the, the ability to just go, go, go. Mm -hmm. And so I've stepped up my game. Uh, I've surrounded myself with, uh, you know, with some key individuals that really push me, um, whether they know it or not, um, I, I kind of troll them and see what they're doing. And, um, and then I, it makes me want to be better. So, uh, I, that's, that's my main focus for, for this year. And then of course, I, the last several years I've been building my own arrows 
And so learning more about that archery game is, uh, it, it just really excites me, um, to, to learn more about that. And I know nothing. I got to tell you, I know nothing, especially when I go hang out with somebody like Roger, he's really been helping me on, uh, dialing in my arrow setup and all that goes into that. Um, that dude is a wealth of knowledge, um, that I just go into sponge mode when I'm around him. So, um, so, so yeah, dialing in, you know, my setup is, is another thing, but, but then just shooting and, and, you know, shooting, trying to shoot every day, um, and just make sure that when I'm presented that, um, that opportunity, when I see that, that bear or that bull on the other ridge that I think I don't think twice about getting over there and doing whatever I have to to get it done. Right. Um, I do not want to let my physical um, preparedness get in the way of, of success mm-hmm. or an opportunity for success. It doesn't always mean success, but uh, an opportunity for success. So, so long story short, the physical aspect of it is what I'm trying to improve for 2020. Yeah. And that uh, lack of preparation equals a year of regret because most seasons are, you know, three weeks to a month long if you're lucky. And not all yeah. of us can get out there that much, man. And I've been there, right, where you don't you don't focus maybe not soon enough or you just don't have that focus leading up. You kind of take it for granted. You go out there, get your butt kicked, and then you're living a year of I should have, could have, would have. And that's, I mean, in the woods, to me, that's the worst. Yeah, absolutely. And you know something that goes along with that guy that I've been working on? Um, not only – you know, with the physical side of things, but I've been trying to push myself to do things that at first, maybe I doubt whether I can do mm-hmm. or complete. And so I work on my mental toughness that way. And I just try to push myself past that point that I think I can do it. Mm-hmm. And when I do that, you know, I'm thinking that, that's going to better prepare me for the stuff that I'm going to face out in the field. Absolutely. Um, you know, it's, it's gonna, I won't say it's going to seem easy, but if, if my mental side is tougher or if my mental side is sharp, I'm going to be a lot more apt to be successful. Mm-hmm. And then you learn that as you're going through that process, right? that that doubt just kind of wanes and then when you're in the field it's like okay elk you know bear on the other ridge i want you're dead to be the first thought i don't want to look down and go oh gosh i got to do that to get over there um the first thought i want is is you're dead (laughs) you know a lot of times it doesn't pan out that way because they're just better than we are in the woods but uh but it sure it sure helps a lot with just getting some of that as much suffering i always call it suffering but as much suffering and growth as we can in that preseason um out of the way more so and i agree that they're both important but i think more so in the mental preparation part of it right um so important yeah man so 2020 outlook man what do you what do you have uh 
planned. Well, okay. I understand that that's probably a silly question with the uncertainty of COVID, but before COVID threw us for a loop, man, what, uh, what were the plans for 2020 in, in terms of hunts? Yeah. So, uh, I was fortunate enough to, to start off 2020 in, in January. I went to, went down to Texas and, uh, harvested a nice whitetail buck. Um, and so that was, uh, that was a lot of fun. Uh, and an axis dough for some of the best meat on the planet. <laughs> so I've um, heard. Yeah. Um, this, this month, um, I'm going to go out and, uh, I'm going to chase some turkeys probably, uh, here in the next few days. And, uh, then bear probably, uh, you know, is provided, um, provided we can still do that. I'll, uh, I'm going to be, I'm going to be baiting, again this this year i i got into doing that last year with a buddy of mine and that was a whole lot of fun um i think the most exciting thing to me was checking the the cameras to see what was you know what was on from the last few days so uh, i had more fun doing that than i did anything else really but uh so i'll be i'll be doing some of that but then i'll be going on uh probably a a couple of uh four or five day uh, spot and stalk bear hunts here in Idaho. I won't go to any other state for that, but, uh, yeah, here in Idaho. And then this, this fall, um, I'm hoping keep my fingers crossed that, uh, Nevada early season archery mule deer hunt is in my future. Nice. So they're in, uh, around the 10th of August, I think is when it starts, if I'm blessed enough to draw. And then of course we have, uh, September and October critters here in Idaho that I'll be chasing, you know, unless I draw, you know, something, something else. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll see. I, you know, I, September and October actually are a little bit up in the air for me. It's not going to be, uh, it's not going to be normal because I'll have my twins will be seniors and I'm hoping that school will be, you know, back to normal and everything. And so I'll have my son playing football and I'll have my daughter playing volleyball their senior year. So I will not miss a game. I, <laughs> so, I was the same way. Yeah. So hunting will may, maybe have to take a back seat for uh, most of September and October, at yeah. least the types of hunts that I'm used to. I may get out for, you know, two, three days here and there type mm-hmm. thing. But, uh, yeah priorities man yeah well and and i get you you know with with football at least it's you know senior year friday night lights in most instances but uh, my daughter played soccer and the volleyball schedules are not much different where you can have nine ten matches in a day and it's saturday Mm -hmm. and sunday it uh yeah that's a busy schedule but about you know with my daughter when she was in high school that was the one thing i said the year let's see i think it was her that was in junior high. I'd missed, I was working like 80, 90 hours a week. And, uh, I missed all that time. And I, I swore to myself, you know, that that was it. I would never do it again and never missed a game after that. And man, I, I, it's gone now. She's 23, but I can't say enough about 
taking that stance and saying, come hell or high water, I'll be there every game. Um, Some of the best memories that, you know, that I carry around, man, we're we're going to those games mid-afternoon or driving up to NorCal for a game or something, um, working from the truck in most instances. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, I hear you, man. That – is there is there a better priority? I mean, it just it's nah. easy to lay everything down, you know. Other than my devotion in the morning, there's nah, not. That's it. So, man, um, again, <clears throat> I can't say thank you to you and Joe enough, man, for allowing me the opportunity to sit in that booth um, and record. That was uh, an absolute honor and an absolute pleasure to share that space. Um, I got a couple more coming from that IA uh, booth <clears throat> episodes. I kept Brandon Waddell's for last. He's probably going, man, I called the guy and <laughs> my episode hasn't been released. And I did that intentionally. Um, yeah. You know, make him wait. Yeah. Well, no, it was kind of save the best for last, if you will. Not to say that it was the best and anyone else was lesser, but the fact that he gave me that phone call, um, I, it's the best for last, in my opinion. So, Brandon, yeah. it's coming, buddy, if you're listening. Actually, Brandon, you just got released because Dennis is going about a week after you. <laughs> <laughs> but, man, I can't I can't say thank you guys enough, man. Um, and I appreciate you, you know, taking some time out of your evening and uh, jumping on with me. I, I greatly oh, appreciate it. Thank you so much. And, uh, hey, man, that spot is yours uh, next February. I'm there uh, at Hunt Expo. So, yeah, yeah, just plan on it. Heck yeah, man. I appreciate that. We already have uh, the Mule Deer Foundation lined up for that, too. So they nice. jumped on board. They were like, hey, how come we weren't there? <laughs> and I said, are you saying you want, you know, do you want a spot? And they said, absolutely. So I actually already have them on the books for next year. So we'll fill great, up some great. more, man. But awesome. yeah, brother, I uh, I appreciate you guys, man. Um, everybody that's listening, jump on to initialascent.com. Jump on my YouTube. Check out the run through of all the packs, old packs, new packs, uh, new colorways that we did at the Hunt Expo with Joe. Um, get on initialascent.com. If you guys have any questions, hit Dennis up, hit Joe up. Dennis, anything else before we uh, sign off? Yeah, we're uh, we're on Instagram and Facebook as well. So uh at initial ascent and uh yeah no guy i really appreciate it thank you so much for uh having me on this was a this was a blast man yes sir my my pleasure man i appreciate it go give them a look at initialascent.com use code wcp20 lowercase wcp20 and receive some free accessories with any pack purchase for listening follow and tag us on instagram at western contours jump on itunes google play and podbean subscribe leave us a comment and don't forget to hit that five star rating we appreciate the support and until next time lay them down we spend a lot of time preparing for our hunts and how we fuel our efforts is key head over to valley to peak nutrition.com helping you perform optimally in the backcountry the purpose of valley to peak is to provide sound nutritional information supported by science to help you prepare and perform optimally in the backcountry there's no secret this is done through education coaching and programming based on personal goals and preferences head over to valley to peak nutrition.com or catch them on instagram at v2p nutrition